This is Dak Prescott, and you're listening to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome to Faith on the Field Show. I am Rob Motti, going solo this week without my beautiful wife, Remy. Great to have you on all of our radio stations across the country. And if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for that as well. It is that the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas season, got a lot going on, celebrated a milestone birthday this week with my wife and my two daughters. When you get to be a dad, I think a lot of a lot of dads out there feel this way. Your birthdays aren't about you. It's about what your kids want. So I always say, hey, what do you want to do for my birthday? Last year, it was pretty special. We went to see a Buccaneers game, and they got to see Tom Brady play. And, and this year, we took them. We went to Disney for a couple of days and Gaylord Palms, and it was just a beautiful uh, time. A couple, It's hard for me during the NFL season. Like I try and take a couple of days off, but I'm answering 9,000 text messages and emails and all that. But still, we had a, a great time. They got me on some rides. So there's been a, a lot going on lately. Um, I have been uh, just wanting to spend a little bit more time with the kids and with my wife and with my family and it's I love this season Christmas season it's awesome so we're gonna dive into something Christmas related our guest this week is Hall of Fame running back Emmett Smith so I sat down with Emmett it was probably about a, a month or six weeks ago so it was early in the NFL season it was after the Cowboys they had won a few games they had lost a few games and they had started back on their winning streak now they're going into a huge Sunday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles a battle for what could ultimately decide first place in the NFC East even though Philly still would have to lose if they lost this one so there's a lot of ramifications but I think it's always awesome when those two teams are battling it out and it means something that there's something on the line it's not that meaningless to one team or or the other so excited for that but a great conversation with Emmett about different things and stuff that he's doing now and and also it it, it was pretty ironic I, I spoke to Emmett about Jimmy about Jerry Jones and he mentions Jimmy Johnson and it's time for him to be in the ring of honor and next thing you know about two weeks later Jerry Jones announces that Jimmy Johnson's finally going into the Cowboys ring of honor so that was pretty cool I'm guessing if Emmett was telling me that here on Faith on the Field show he was probably whispering in Jerry Jones ear hey it's time you got to end this nonsense get Jimmy Johnson in the Cowboys ring of honor, which he will be going into later this month. So that's pretty cool. But I I wanted to focus this episode on something that is very related to this season. And obviously you tell your kids and, and when they're young and of a certain age, the Santa's watching you and he knows right how how the song goes he knows what you've do, been doing he knows if you've been naughty uh or, or or nice and and all of that stuff and you you got the elf on the shelf if you do that and um my kids at are at the age of of 10 now where they they know they know the what what's reality and what isn't but we still have a little bit of fun at least with the elf we uh, and, and that's just about as far as it's going to go. And, and, and they, they know, but it's still a little fun. However, when you look at what that kind of represents, like, oh, they, you, you got the, the elf watching over you, reporting back to Santa, so he knows who's been good, who's been bad. And, um, yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting. It's fun. It's it's what families do, and, and that's cool. And they wake up every morning, and you go see where the elf is sitting and, and all that stuff, and they, and they play along. But 
we tell our children this during Christmas season, and, and the truth is that God is watching over every second of every minute of every day of our lives. And he not only, and he, here's, here's what is really so important. He not only knows what we're doing and what we're thinking, he knows our hearts. He knows our he knows our intentions. And sometimes we may act a certain way in front of people, but inside we feel a different kind of way. Or we may do something that may look good publicly, but inside we feel complete opposite. Can't hide that from God. You can hide that from people. You can't hide that from the Lord. And I saw something this week where someone wears a cross and is publicly displaying their Christian faith, but it is glorified and is uplifted and is put on this stage of heroic worship. And I know some of the truth about the individual, and I know that if some others knew some of these things, that this person wouldn't be glorified and put into the public spotlight in a heroic manner. Now, I think human nature says to expose that person or to let others know that you're looking at someone who may be a fraud. But I have to take a step back and say, well, first of all, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We're all sinners. And I'm not going to publicly judge or condemn someone, even though I know they may have some deep, dark secrets or whatever it may be. I'm going to let God handle that. I'm going to let God deal with that person who may look like a hero but may not necessarily be living it out. See, Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So if you portray yourself as good but truly inside you're wicked, no matter who you fool, here on earth, it doesn't matter. God knows. He knows the truth. He can identify our hearts, our intentions, what we mean, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. And that could be very scary for a lot of people. That can be something that jolts you into hey, what am I doing here? What's happening? See, now, imagine if we live our lives always recognizing and understanding that God is watching us. Like, sometimes we may we may feel like it's not convenient that God knows the truth. Or, ah, I'm, I'm going to do this, but it, it, it's okay. I'm, I'm forgiven anyway. Oh, yeah? 
I think everything, every decision has a consequence. Every choice has a ramification. But if we lived our, our lives always understanding that God is watching us, that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good, how different would we treat others? How, how different would it be when we're alone? How would we act? I love this saying, and I, I might mess it up right here, and it's, I've heard it so often. It's the true measure of someone's character is how they act when no one is watching, when no one is watching. Like if you're holding the door for the, the old lady because there's people around, or you're holding the door for the old lady when it's just you and that old lady. Are, are, are you offering to do good deeds when no one knows, or are you posting about them every 15 seconds on social media? How different would we treat others if we live our lives recognizing and understanding that God is watching us? Now, I didn't mean to right there, if, if you're posting about good, sometimes you're doing it to inspire, to encourage, to motivate others, go for it. I, I, don't want, I would rather have more people doing great deeds and telling the world about it than not doing it at all. But how different would we act when we're alone if we know that God is always watching? It's one thing to act a certain way, the right way, a godly way when we're around people, but who we are when we're alone, when nobody's watching, when the way we treat people who can't do anything in return for us, man, that's that's the truest test of our character. That homeless person on the street who can't do a single thing for you, how do you treat that person? Do you brush them off? You say, ah, they put themselves in that situation. They don't deserve anything. They're only going to spend that dollar or two or three, or well, you can't get anything for that amount anymore. They're only going to do that to buy cigarettes or drugs or alcohol. Or, or do you view that person as whatever you do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do for me? So we can spend this Christmas season and the excitement surrounding it and talking to our kids. If we have kids about Santa and the elf, and even if they're out of that stage of their lives and all of those beautiful little fun, little details, but ultimately every day of our life, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keeping watch on the wicked and the good. If you see someone being glorified, being put on the stage, being magnified as a hero, and you know some things about that person, don't let it burn you inside. Don't let it eat you up because ultimately God knows. He knows the truth. Up next, you're going to hear from Emmett Smith. You're listening to Faith on the Field Show. Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action. Get information. Understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free. With 33 convenient locations, Heritage's Dairy Stores desires to be your deli of choice. Heritage's full-service delis offer great-tasting products for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
The Harry Egg Breakfast Sandwich, made with two farm-fresh eggs, cheese, choice meat on a fresh Kaiser roll, makes mornings simple. Heritage's famous subs are built on freshly baked Lysio rolls and feature Dietz & Watson premium meats and cheeses, freshly sliced anytime. Making lunches at home? Try one of our lunchbox specials, which are sure to please. Heritage's Dairy Stores, our family, your hometown deli. This is Derek Henry, and you listen to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome back to Faith on the Field Show. I'm Rob Motti. If you're listening to us for the first time, you can go to faithonthefieldshow.com. You can find every episode since we launched in 2017. We've had an awesome lineup of guests. You can listen anytime at your convenience on any of the podcast platforms. You'll hear the full interviews on there. Sometimes we cut them a little bit short on radio. Be sure also to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Faith on the Field and tell as many people as you'd like about the show. If you would like to be a sponsor, please reach out to us at team at faithonthefieldshow.com. That's how you can help our ministry grow. You can also help us even if you don't have a business to advertise and just want to reach out and donate. We do have that option too as well. We are a nonprofit organization now. Faith on the Field Show com. We have a donate button. Our guest this week, Emmett Smith, is the NFL's all-time leading rusher. No one has run for more touchdowns than Emmett. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. He was an MVP. He's a first ballot pro football Hall of Famer. Here's my conversation with Emmett Smith. Emmett, good to have you on the show. First thing I want to ask you is about your Dallas Cowboys, uh, how you feel about the team so far this season, what they've been able to do. They they started out dominating, hit some bumps in the road, and look like they've kind of gotten back on track. Well, I would not say that they started out dominating. Well, I would say that they dominated teams that they should have dominated, teams that did not have strong quarterbacks, teams that did not have a complete arsenal. When you talk about the Jets missing Aaron Rodgers, that's a big difference between – them and the young quarterback that they had playing. When you talk about the Cowboys being on the Patriots and so forth, uh, I think they played the Patriots. Was it the Patriots? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that team has struggled this year. So uh, then when they went to Arizona, they they laid an egg. Then they go to San Francisco, they lay another egg. So inconsistency is what I've seen from the Dallas Cowboys thus far, and I'm looking for them to try and stabilize that inconsistency by – establishing that they can run the ball, but also be effective in a passing game as well. Now, obviously, having played the running back position in Dallas, being a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever do it, they they let Zeke Elliott go. They're kind of counting on Tony Pollard. From what you've seen from him, can he be that workhorse? Can he be that guy who, who can take some of that pressure off of Dak in the passing game? I think he can be. Um he, he will have the opportunity to prove that this year because he is the guy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's about, again, I'm going to use the word consistency, but also I'm going to use the word opportunities to carry the rock. Uh, they have to give, give Tony Pollard the opportunity to carry the rock, put him in the right positions to where he can be very, very effective by carrying the rock and catching passes out of the backfield. So far, one of the games I've seen, he had over 20 carries. So is that's not an issue for him. The question is, can you have 20 carries one week, 25 the next week, 30 carries the following week, and be as effective going on and, and be healthy at the same time? That's the key to any uh, running back is, is longevity. And a pass-heavy 
offenses across the league, it's kind of hard. You don't see a lot of teams allow their running backs to get in that groove, to get in that rhythm. It's it's like right. you, you get a run now and then. How important is it when, when you're a running back to kind of feel it, to keep getting that right, even if it's one yard, two yards, because then sooner or later you're going to bust that 20 or you're going to get those. Like how, how much do you need to feel it like that? I think I think it's important for a running back or any player uh, to feel like an offense can depend upon him. But also that player needs to feel that he's going to have the opportunities no matter what the situation may be. Uh, and you touched on it. I mean, when you have a player that's getting the ball in his hand that goes into the football game, knowing that he's going to get the ball in his hand a number of times, um, it, it, it's something different that he's he is focusing on uh, because he knows the expectations are pretty high. He, he's excited to play because he has uh, tremendous opportunities to get 15 or 20 or 25 touches. I'm going to say touches. It can be a combination between runs and passes. So, uh, as a player, I've always felt comfortable going into the game, knowing that I was going to at least touch the ball at least 18 times. Um, my record and the Cowboys record was pretty good, too, when I carried the ball over 18 times a game. And so uh, when you start looking at those kind of correlations, um, you feel good and feel comfortable and feel confident that you're going to get an opportunity to carry the ball. You obviously know Jerry Jones very well. Uh, how impatient do you think – he is as far as wanting to get the Cowboys. It's been a while since they hoisted that Vince Lombardi trophy, since you, Troy, right. Michael Irvin, and, and and those guys were playing together. How, how much longer can he wait on, on that? Like he, he's, It's Jerry Jones, man. It is Jerry Jones, but, uh, you know, Jerry sometimes, uh, let me put it to you this way. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since Jimmy Johnson left the squad, too. And Jimmy Johnson has not been in the ring of honor. So karma is, is something else that Jerry has to deal with too. So I think if he really wants to lift some of the, uh, get some good karma on his side, he might want to try to do the right thing by putting Jimmy Johnson into the ring of honor as well. Uh, let's start with that first and foremost, and then maybe all the good stuff might come back your way. That's a good point there, Emmett. That's a that's a good point. I remember asking Jimmy about this like a year or a year and a half ago, and he thought, hey, maybe it might happen sometime. But it, it, it needs it, to happen. It's been way too long, way yeah, too long. For, for sure. The running back position, the way it's evolved, do you have any concerns going forward? Some of these guys, like they're not getting paid with – uh, commensurate to some of their their peers, right? Other positions, wide receivers are getting paid. We know what the numbers are like for quarterbacks; right. they're astronomical. And before the season, there was some concern with Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, the guys who got the franchise tag. Do you think going forward, like this is the way of the NFL? And maybe some guys growing up are like, "I'm not going to want to be a running back." No doubt. I mean, the game is up to shifting over. Uh, I mean, you got offensive coordinators calling pass plays left and right. I mean, you just touched on it earlier in terms of how can a running back get uh, in a groove if he's not getting the ball in his hands, whether it's on the ground or in the air. Um, there, was point of, there was a point in time when uh, an offensive coordinator would try and, and, and make sure that his key elements of his offense touched the football and touched it on a consistent basis. I don't see that now. I think the league itself has shifted over into what I would call a pass-happy league. That's why all the rules are there to protect the quarterbacks and uh, and the quarterback pocket. And and 
and leaving running backs out there to fend for themselves. But all you always see when there's a new running back or a new quarterback in the game, if it's not the starting quarterback or the number one quarterback, when there's that backup quarterback in there, the game plan changes. They want to shift back to the running back and allow the running back to shoulder some of that burden in order to allow that quarterback to get into a groove if you, if you can, especially young quarterbacks. You hear announcers talk about it all the time. The best blanket for a young quarterback is to have a solid running game. And the only reason why you want a solid running game is there to create balance in, in the offense from my perspective. But for some of these guys, it's about allowing the quarterback time to develop. Why do I need to allow him time to develop and you just reducing my role or reducing my capital, but yet you're using me up. So I don't like the situation, but, uh, you know, it's something that all running backs and even young players have to think about and think about diversifying their, their skill set and become much more of a diverse, diver, diversified running back, run, pass, and catch. I don't see any solutions for it. Like you're not going to be able to force teams to step up and start paying running backs. 15 20 million dollar contracts i mean the way you're talking about it that's you got to be a christian mccaffrey type a guy who can run the ball catch the ball do all kinds of things be a do it all in the backfield well, running backs do do it all they can run yeah. they can block they can catch and um they may not be able to run wide receiver routes not all of them heck marcia fault was that kind of dynamic yeah. running back thurman thomas was that kind of dynamic running back I was even able to catch passes and run routes out of the backfield and do different types of things. Not every running back has has that skill set, but the ones who do and the ones who are able to provide longevity and availability week in and week out and consistency week out, week in and week out, is the guy that probably is worthy of the capital. And when it comes down to him getting that capital, it shouldn't be a whole lot of uh, fuss. And what you're starting to see is the strategy of the league. They get these guys in on their rookie contracts. They play by four years. Then they get them on, um, uh, they put them on, um, they put the franchise tag on them. <laughs> then by the time the franchise franchise tag is off, they're trying to run them out of the league. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we mentioned how long it's been since Dallas won those Super Bowls. You were there for three of those. Do, when you look back at that time frame, that span, that like dynasty, We've seen the Patriots kind of, obviously they they went and, and they won six together, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. How hard do you think it is to sustain that kind of excellence that you guys had with Jimmy Johnson to be able to win those three Super Bowls? This is extremely hard. And um, the, especially with the rotation of players coming in and out and developing um, that continuity on a consistent basis, it is about the culture. It's a coach. It's about the culture of the front office, culture of the uh, of the team, and everything else, and the whole and the head coach. So the stability of that franchise is predicated upon the consistency that they have in place in terms of systems and processes. Um, that's, in my opinion, that's the reason why the New England Patriots were as good as they were for a long period of time. You didn't have to worry about a whole lot of coaching changes especially at the head coach's position. Yeah, I mean, they had guys rotate in and out, go off to other places thinking that they could become a head coach and be as good as Bill Belichick. They had another thing coming. They, they had a dose of reality. And it's different when you're sitting in that 
head coach's seat like a Bill Belichick or or Jimmy Johnson. But when you got when you got the players to help support your system, um, then you can thrive for a long period of time. And unfortunately, I don't know if our Cowboys have established uh, that mark yet. It sounds like you kind of feel like if Jimmy stuck around, you guys could have had an opportunity maybe to win more than those three. I'm not going to say that because Jimmy's going to run us into the ground too. I mean, the way we <laughs> train, the way we work. I mean, I don't know if we would have lasted as long as as we did. I mean, I want. I don't think I would have had a 15 year career in the National Football League under that kind of kind of pressure and that kind of practice ethic, work ethic, and everything else. That's a long time. That's a lot for an older back to sustain. So, but we got what we got, and, and I'm proud of it. Well, Emmett, you're here on behalf of Emergent to help raise awareness of Narcon nasal spray and the dangers of opioid overdose. Tell me about getting involved with Narcon and why you you wanted to kind of partner up and just talk about these dangers and and what this nasal spray can do to help. Well, the reason why I I, uh, joined forces with Emergent and, and, and we're talking about the Ready to Rescue campaign is because I've experienced some of these things myself, not me personally, but within family members and teammates and so forth. Uh, lost a teammate uh, to an overdose as well. And uh, had a sister in love that uh, uh, found herself in, in, in a situation and, and getting uh, hooked on some of the pain medication because of the pain that she was in after coming through um, chemotherapy and everything else. And so these things can actually happen to anyone and and so what we're trying to do is spread more awareness, reduce the stigma out of it, if not eliminate the stigma itself, to let people know that they're they're not in this fight by themselves. Not only that, but with the Norcan nasal spray, you can equip yourself to be ready for any emergency at any point in time. I mean, oftentimes we all have heard stories. Yeah, he's over there sleep. Oh, yeah, she's over there sleep. Let them sleep. They might not be sleep. <laughs> you might want to just check on them and make sure that they're okay because they could be suffering from an overdose of something at, at any point in time. And with the with fentanyl hitting the street is, uh, and as dangerous as, as that is, uh, I think it's important for each and every person to be ready. And so, uh, and that's what we're trying to do is just to spread more awareness, get people uh, uh, some level of understanding so they can get involved themselves and protect not only themselves, but also protect the people that they love. Because uh, at the end of the day, no one wants to get that phone call. And um, with five kids in my household, I don't want to get that phone call either. So uh, it's just about just equipping ourselves to be ready. No doubt. Well, everyone can visit Narcon.com to get more information on that nasal spray, which is a life-saving medicine that's easy to use and it can reverse the effects of an opioid. And you can get it over the counter too. Yes. So. Yeah. It's over the counter now. So it's accessible and available to everyone. Uh, I know over the course of your career, you, you, you've had to go through ups, downs, and all kinds of different things, highs, lows. And w- what has your spiritual background, your faith in God, how's that helped balance you? How's that helped guide you? You know what? I think that is the the one thing that is that I've been able to leverage and use to keep a level head and a level of sanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the midst of a tremendous football career, there was a point in time uh, when I was dealing with injuries where I went through a state of depression because I could not figure out what was wrong and why things was happening. Uh, and I leaned on my faith and I leaned on my trust. Uh, in him uh, to get me through it. 
And once we recognize what the situation was, we, we, again, we talk about awareness. Once you recognize what the situation uh, was and we went and got the right proper help in order to get myself back together and get back on the football field and do the things that I love doing. So um, uh, I truly believe that uh, uh, as we talk about in football, mind, body, and soul, uh, it, it encompasses everything. And so uh, with the proper body and the proper work ethic, and you treat your body right, you feed it right, it can provide you the, the performance level that you're looking for. With the proper spiritual guidance, it can help ground you so these things don't get, become so overwhelming. You have a place to go in an outlet. Uh, and so for me, uh, that's been the balance that I've had. Amen. Well, appreciate you, my man. Thank you, Emmett. Right, man. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thank you to Emmett Smith. Thank you to Doug, Pastor Scott, and everyone on our Faith on a Field show team. And thank you for listening. For Remy, I'm Rob Motti, reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing. Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action, get information, understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free.